0: professor of legal studies and business ethics at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. This conversation is part of our ongoing special series about what business scholarship has to say about the 2020 crisis. Today, we'll be focused on the role of banking regulators during this crisis and crisis response more generally. David, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: David, I wonder if we could start the conversation by touching on what the scholarship, whether uh, your own scholarship or that of others, what it has to say about the role of banking regulators during a crisis moment. Scholarship that we should maybe be thinking about right now as we are in a crisis moment.
1: Yes, I've been thinking about that quite a bit because I in the wake of the last crisis, wrote an article with Stephen Davidoff-Solomon on how we thought the response to the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, I guess starting in 2007, had been managed by the Fed and the Treasury Department. And we characterized that crisis's response as regulation by deal, where the Fed and Treasury merged failing institutions, engineered government-run takeovers in some cases of institutions like Fannie Mae, Fred B. Mac and AIG, or if push came to shove, found a pot of cash and offered that cash to certain asset classes like money market funds. And what we thought this exemplified was using deals and contracts to push the law to the limit. But that was aggressive interpretation of legal authority to manage crisis response by turning to deals as opposed to regulations to make that response happen. We thought that was different than the approach taken by Eric Posner and Adrian Vermeule, who look at crises and emergencies and say, there really is no role for any part of the government other than the executive branch to play. Congress and the courts will get out of the way. And the only real check on administrative authority is political. So, You know, when the Bush administration responded to 9-11, the only way we really knew whether the response was appropriate was when George Bush got reelected. On the other hand, Republicans didn't get elected after the first initial response to the financial crisis, and Barack Obama did. So maybe that was a way of saying in the Posner and Vermeule approach that there was a constraint on the executive, but the constraint was a political one, not one that was realized by judicial supervision or or congressional active oversight. And that was their view. And we contrasted that with our view, which was using uh, loopholes and deals to manage the crisis. That's the paradigm I thought about when I thought about how it might apply to what we're going through right now.
0: So, with what we're going through right now, what facts on the ground should we be watching for in this crisis, whether there are things that have already materialized or might materialize in the coming weeks, or things that are maybe the midterm offing, but are still things to watch for?
1: Yes, I've been wondering in this crisis whether it makes sense, at least as things currently stand, to think of the deal-making as a response. And instead, we're back in the world of a relatively aggressive interpretation. But to me, Three things are particularly interesting, and I'm sure there are other things as well. Uh, One is the centrality of the Federal Reserve in the crisis response. And I'm not talking about the effort to find a cure to the coronavirus or to figure out how to prevent it from spreading. That's obviously something that belongs to other regulators, um, amazingly powerful regulators, as it turns out. The Fed's been absolutely central to the economic response to the virus, and the Fed responded first with massive monetary policy. They cut the interest rates to zero. And then they followed that up by financing both Wall Street and Main Street through these facilities that it created of its own accord. And now it's being tapped by Congress. To provide most of the financing for one quarter of the stimulus package, the financing to uh, corporate America will largely be run through Fed facilities, seeded an equity tranche with an investment by Treasury, and then managed by the Fed. And I guess BlackRock is a private vendor, and I'm sure they'll bring in more. And that's just... Really interesting. So the Fed started fighting the crisis with monetary policy, continued fighting the crisis by pushing assets at a variety of asset classes, and now has been tapped by Congress to manage a bunch of the rest of the response to the crisis by using their approach to creating, a, you know, special purpose vehicles to provide dollars to basically anyone who wants them and can offer up some form of collateral.
0: David, how should we apply some of the learnings from the scholarship about the role that banking regulators play during a crisis or should be playing during a crisis uh, to how they are, in fact, responding or might respond to this crisis?
1: Well, I think – One thing we see is that the Fed is aggressively pushing its authority to play this sort of central role. One of the things that legal scholars and other scholars have worried about when it comes to financial regulators of of, of banks in particular is, will they respond to crisis situations with regulatory forbearance? Your capital levels are low. We know they're low, but we're going to look the other way. And maybe when we come out of a recession or whatever economic shock has happened, we'll find that you're able to get back to adequate capitalization and your business can continue. A lot of um, people thought that that's what regulators did to savings and loans during the 1980s. And Charles Carroll Amaris wrote about that. And um, Congress eventually passed the to require regulators to take prompt corrective action whenever banks looked like they were running into credit balance sheet trouble. And I think one interesting thing here is that scholarship is those concerns are being really ignored by the feds and the other financial regulators who have very explicitly uh, encouraged banks to not worry, to keep making loans to people, to keep lending, and for which while not going nuts, they're, they've been encouraged to do that and it's been hinted that the regulators are likely to, uh, to deal with that attractively. They've suspended a bunch of rules that were going to go into effect. They've reduced the amount of money that small banks have to hold to to avoid certain kinds of additional regulation, giving them an off-ramp, the, the sorts of regulatory approaches that mid-sized and large banks have to go with. So forbearance is the name of the day. And I guess we'll see whether this is appropriate forbearance or the sort of extend and pretend, which is uh, going to end badly. I also think there's a bunch of writers out there, Peter Conti Brown, my colleague at Wharton, is one of them, who worry a lot about central bank independence. And this is um, a big concern among finance professors as well, um, many of my colleagues at Wharton. And it's interesting to think about whether the Fed's role in responding to the crisis, its central role and the tandem that Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed, and Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, the, the the two working in relatively close concert. Uh, it's interesting to think about whether that's consistent with this idea of central bank independence, or whether it problematizes that idea. And central bank independence is supposed to be a good thing because the idea is the bank will engage in monetary policy and other policy without regard to the political winds of the day. Which means that in the 1980s, Paul Volcker could crush inflation by really raising the interest rate, and that uh, you know by the same token, while President might want the Fed to run really loose monetary policy to goose the economy, the Fed will stick to its effort to create 2 or 3% inflation. So anyway, uh, that's what independence is supposed to give you. Some people think it's a very important component of central banking. And what we see in this crisis response is the Fed really working in close concert with politically appointed executive branch leaders. The two other sort of things that matter is, you know, the response to the coronavirus crisis has been for the Fed to pump out money to people. And and people wonder about financialization as a, a larger problem perhaps with the American economy as, as finance becomes a more and more important part of what we do and making things, industrial production, a less important part of what the United States economy does. And this financialization is really being embraced wholeheartedly in the Fed's response. Now the Fed can't solve every problem. If nobody gets to go to work, pumping dollars, making credit available to anyone who wants it is not going to solve that problem for very long. But that's the approach that the Fed has taken. And I think it's interesting that it's been front and center in the economic response to the crisis. Maybe the last thing I'll say, I don't want to go on too long, is that with all this stuff, the Fed has also become a sort of internationally important regulator. So Peter Conti Brown and I wrote an article about the Fed's foreign policy. And we're seeing that foreign policy being practiced. The Fed has extended swap lines to favored central banks of other countries and made dollars available to them, but not, interestingly, China and Russia. And it's recently opened another facility to do repo with central banks that have accounts with the New York Fed that would make uh, dollars available to Chinese and Russian and other central banks that are having a hard time getting a hold of dollars as everyone sort of flies to safety and goes to cash. So that sort of foreign policy role, picking winners and deciding who and when on what terms to make dollars available to the rest of the world is an interesting development that I've written about. And it's hard to square with the sort of centrality of the president's role in foreign affairs.
0: Our guest today has been David Zering, Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. This conversation has been part of our ongoing special series about what business scholarship has to say about the 2020 crisis. Today, we focused on the role of banking regulators during this crisis and crises more generally. David, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast.
1: It was a pleasure to do it.